We're walking through the book of Revelation. We're in Revelation chapter number 20 today. And so if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number 20. And uh, <clears throat> today we're talking about the millennial kingdom. The millennial uh, kingdom this morning. Excited as we look forward to what God has in store for us one day. And uh, what a day that's going to be. Can you imagine a world? When you think about uh, this world in which we live, it is broken by sin. Always has been all your lifetime. And, uh, but could you imagine a world uh, that's not wrecked with sin, where we don't have diseases, where we don't have uh, death any longer, no natural disasters. The, we don't have wars or rumors of wars, no need for guns, no need for uh, bullets. There's no need for any of that. There's no famines. There's no starvation. Uh, there is no uh, uh, abuses that are happening in this world. You can live life with your doors unlocked. You can go to any city across the world and not worry about being jumped or anybody doing anything to you in that way because there's no depravity. I think about this world uh, one day that's going to take place during what we call the millennial kingdom uh, when the lion will lay down with the lamb. I mean, think about children will be able to go out into the streets and play jump rope with a water moccasin. They'll be able to sleep at night and use lions for their bed cushions. Uh, uh, that's the day that we're going to talk about today, the millennial kingdom. What a day that's going to be, totally different than where we are uh, this morning. And so I'm looking forward again to this time that we're going to be talking about uh, this morning as we work through this chapter of Scripture today. So the questions that are going to be asked as we move forward would be, number one, what is the millennial? What is the millennial kingdom? Where in the world does that even come from? And so uh, that's a great question to ask. Nowhere in Scripture, in fact, do you find the word millennial. You don't find that word anywhere in Scripture, but there's other uh, uh, biblical principles that we talk about uh, that, that the word is not shared anywhere in Scripture. For example, uh, total depravity. We don't find total depravity in Scripture. Those terms are not used in Scripture. The Trinity. The Trinity is not used in Scripture, although it is taught. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The millennial is not used in Scripture. So the question would have to be asked, well, then where in the world did that come from? Those terms, where did those terms come from? All it simply is, is it is two words that come together. Uh, uh, one, mean, one is a thousand and the other is years. For example, uh, we use other words to describe uh, time periods. A decade, for example, is 10-year period, right? We talk about 10 years. If I were to say 10 years in your mind, you might think a decade or a hundred years, a centennial. Well, this morning we're talking about the millennial kingdom. It is that time in which Jesus Christ, I believe, will reign on earth in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, and, so, and so when we talk about what it is, that is exactly what it is. It's a time of Jesus Christ's reign on earth. When will that take place? That's a great question. When is that going to happen? And so there's several different schools of thought. When does that happen? When does this millennial kingdom take place? Has it taken place? Will it take place? If so, when will it happen? And so this morning, I just want to just briefly uh, uh, give you three uh, uh, ideas or three opinions or three uh, uh, lines of interpretation far as when does this millennial kingdom happen? Well, there's, there's a group of people uh, called amillennialists. Amillennialists means this, that it doesn't literally take place. In fact, 
they approach Scripture with an allegorical interpretation. And so when you go there, you go to the Old Testament, for example, and there are prophecies to the nation of Israel, and, and the amillennialists would say, well, those prophecies to the nation of Israel aren't necessarily literally to the nation of Israel, but they're applied and lived out by the church today. And so when we speak of this kingdom, it is the kingdom of heaven that is within the hearts of people. Therefore, we today are enjoying the blessings of the millennial kingdom. So they don't expect that 1,000 years because it's all allegorical for them, the amillennialists, all right? Everybody still with me? All right, that's just a brief description, all right? And then, and then what we have is we also have a group of people who are what's called post-millennialists, and what that simply means is this, the return of Jesus Christ comes after the millennial kingdom. And so what's going to happen is that this world uh, is going to, through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of church at work in this world, we are going to usher in a millennial kingdom eventually. In other words, what they do is they look at the cross of Jesus Christ and they say it was there, it was there that Jesus Christ chained up the devil. To which I would say, uh, if he chained up the devil uh, at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if the devil got chained up, he got chained up with a really long chain because he's still wreaking havoc in this planet. In fact, when you look at Scripture, I don't think that that's going to take place. We don't see a world, if we look around, that is getting better. In fact, we see a church that is getting weaker and less and less impact even in the world. In fact, the Bible says this about those things in 1 Peter uh, chapter number 5 and in verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter number 5 <clears throat> and in verse Number eight, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And so I would suggest to you uh, that Peter didn't believe that the devil was chained up. In fact, God's word says that he is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So don't live life as if he is chained up or bound up, or that you can pray him to be bound up. The devil is on the loose today. Not only that, but Scripture also says in latter days, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. In other words, when you look at Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses number 1 through 5, the Bible describes it like this. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. I don't believe it's going to get better. I think it's going to get worse. In fact, so bad, so much so, <clears throat> that the only hope that we have is the return of Jesus Christ. The premillennialist view, uh, the premillennialist view, are, are those that take God's word literally. They interpret God's word literally, as if to mean that the return of Jesus Christ is what's going to establish this period of time on earth. Without him, there's no peace on this planet. Uh, again, there are some truths to all of them, uh, but I would say to you this morning, if you haven't figured it out yet, 
uh, I am a pre-millennialist. I believe that Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> is going to return. And when he does return, he will establish his kingdom from uh, Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and we're going to experience a time uh, like never before. Well, I say never before, like back to the Garden of Adam and Eve, uh, uh, back to the Garden of Eden. And so, and so that's what's going to happen. So here we are. If you're just joining us today, I'm excited that you're here this morning. We've walked through the book of Revelation. We are in Revelation chapter 20. Quickly. So where does the millennial kingdom fall, and how does it fall? So if you're walking through the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, talk about the church age, talks about the age in which we live in today. There are seven letters to seven churches, uh, but we make application to all the churches, the church age, the age of grace. And then all of a sudden, when you get to chapter number 4, you see what uh, uh, presents itself as the rapture. And so the next two chapters, chapter 4 and 5, we go to heaven. Why? Because the church is going to be raptured. That day, we don't read about that in the book of Revelation. We find that from 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, most extensive teaching on the subject. However, there are other verses and other chapters in Scripture <clears throat> that address the subject of the rapture. The rapture being the next event to take place for you and for me. So, any day that can take place, what? The church meeting Jesus in the air. Jesus doesn't come back. It's not the return of Jesus Christ. It's the rapture of his church where he brings us up to where he is. All right? So the rapture is talked about, alluded to, chapter 4. That ushers in. That ushers in a period on this planet called the tribulation period, a seven-year period. Uh, and we've read through that from chapter number 6 of the book of Revelation all the way down through chapter 19. I'm lumping it together simply because we're talking about this seven-year period called the tribulation and then the return of Jesus Christ. Now, when the return of Jesus Christ takes place, we have the battle of Armageddon that we covered. And it's there that he establishes his earthly kingdom that we're talking about this morning. And so it's at the end of the seven-year period of tribulation. The battle of Armageddon takes place. He's returned. He's establishing his throne in Jerusalem. The millennial kingdom begins. The next thousand years will happen. Y'all with me? All right. So that's where we are this morning. Revelation chapter number 20, talking today about the millennial kingdom. The Bible says, verse number 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, uh, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw, them, threw, the, threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. And after these things, he must be released for a short time. And then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and, and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the resurrection, or until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. 
Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Now when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from the prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up <clears throat> on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire <clears throat> came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, uh, where the beast and the false prophet are also. We read about that uh, last week. And they will be tormented day and night forever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, uh, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And, and, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. <clears throat> and so this morning, uh, Revelation chapter number 20, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Revelation chapter 20, really, in three different, uh, uh, the, this, this whole millennial kingdom. We're looking at uh, when it begins and what takes place when it begins, and then in the midst of it, and then at the end of it. And in the midst of it, we don't have a lot of descriptions in this portion of Scripture. You can go back, and there's several different places that you can read in the Bible that talk about this period of time. But this morning, uh, we're talking, number one, the first several verses have to do, uh, verses number one through three, have to do with the incarceration of Satan, the incarceration of of Satan. When you're reading through the first three verses, you find Satan, he's described using four different terms when you're talking about the devil. Uh, he uses four terms to describe uh, the devil. Number one, he says he's like, a, he's like a dragon. He's dangerous, in other words. He's vicious is what he is. He's not to be trifled with or laughed at or mocked, but rather, he is dangerous. He's a dragon. Now, aren't you grateful that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? I'm not to fear him. However, however, he's just simply saying, hey, he's like a dragon. So don't poke around with a dragon. He's like a serpent, slithering, slimy, hiding in corners, waiting to attack. That's exactly how uh, he works. Not only is he like a serpent, he is the devil, two different names used for him. Number one, he's the accuser. In fact, Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 10 tells us that he's the accuser of the brethren. I, I, I know that, uh, in fact, I believe that, that, that he is always taking us before our Savior, taking us before God, mocking him, saying, look at him, he's a liar. And he's accusing. I'm grateful to God, again, for his saving grace. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he accuses us before our Heavenly Father. Do you know, I, I can't help but think about the scene that takes place as he's accusing God's children. Nobody enjoys hearing those things. I, I, I believe that God's grapes of wrath are ripening even today. That's what Scripture teaches us. And one day, he's going to deal with the devil. Not only the devil, but Satan. He is our 
adversary. He's not for us. He's always against us. He's subtle in his assaults, but he seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what John 10.10 teaches us. For the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So John, in his writing, he's saying, hey, the devil, Satan, however you want to refer to him, he's going to be chained up with a chain and thrown into the abyss. Where is he going? Well, the Bible says he's going into the abyss. Now, this is not the final resting place of the devil. In fact, it clearly teaches us that he's going to be locked away during this millennial kingdom. Why? So that he will not deceive any of the nations, so that we can experience peace on earth. There's a reason why. We're not having peace on this planet. Now, we can have peace in our hearts because of Jesus Christ. However, that being said, we don't have peace on the planet. Never will until he's bound up and thrown away. And so where is he going to go? To the abyss. And at the end of the millennial, it's interesting, he's going to be let loose. And he tells us uh, he's going to be let loose. And some people ask the question, why is he going to be let loose? And and I've heard somebody say this. If you can tell me why uh, uh, God let him loose the first time, I'll tell you why he let him loose the second time. I don't know that answer. Why is that happening? I am not sure. However, it is taught in Scripture. He's going to be taken to the abyss. And so what is the abyss? Well, the devil, the the Word of God talks about uh, the abode for the dead, the wicked dead, in a couple of different ways. In fact, uh, you've heard the word probably, if you've read through Scripture, you've seen Sheol. Uh, you've also heard the word Hades, which are the abode of the dead today, all right? And so we're going to get there in a little bit uh, uh, because Scripture is going to bring us there in just a moment. Uh, uh, so, so these are the dwelling places or the abode of the dead, and we're not talking about either one of those, nor are we talking about hell. The abyss is like a maximum security unit for some of the demons and for the devil where he will be cast and locked up so that he can't mess around for a period of time. In fact, it's the longest, some would say, it's the longest prison sentence uh, known to mankind. He's going to be locked away for a thousand years. That being said, today, again, he is on the loose. First Peter chapter number 5, we already went there. Uh, uh, so what do we do? Well, here's what we do. Number one, we put on our spiritual armor. There's a lot of things that we cannot see. We cannot see that spiritual realm with our eyes. We see the physical realm, but we can't see the spiritual realm. But know this very well. The Scripture teaches us a lot of things. Number one, we have the Holy Spirit of God, and I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, we have a guardian angel. Hebrews teaches us that we have guardian angels. Aren't you grateful for that? We have guardian angels, we have the Holy Spirit of God, but nonetheless, he is on the prowl, seeking whom he may devour. Therefore, how do we respond? Well, walk circumspectly. That's what Scripture teaches us. In other words, be aware. Know that there are spiritual battles in a spiritual realm that we do not see, but they do, in fact, exist. So walk circumspectly. Be aware of your surroundings. You know, sometimes we're oblivious, and that's the reason. We're in, we're in warfare. There's, there's spiritual warfare that's taking place today. I mean, if we had warfare in Tallahassee, if we had warfare in Tallahassee, you, you, you would pay attention to your surroundings when you walked outside. You, you might even put on a helmet <laughs> or a bulletproof vest. That's, that's getting prepared for 
the battle. And Scripture says that's how we respond to the battle these days. We are living in a world where the devil is on the prowl. But one day he will be incarcerated, the first three verses of chapter number 20, so that he can't deceive the nations during that period of time. Number four, verse number four goes on to talk about the coronation of the saints, the coronation of the saints. Verse number four, I saw the thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and worshiped the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead uh, and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. So he's alluding to two different resurrections here. So when, what we're talking about this morning is the first resurrection. Those who have experienced the first resurrection uh, uh, will serve during this millennial kingdom in positions appointed to them by the Lord Jesus Christ on the planet. It's going to be an interesting time. So we don't have politicians who are elected, but rather appointed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Therefore, they don't lack integrity. Y'all all right? <laughs> so the first resurrection. So what's the first resurrection? Well, the first resurrection really comes in three stages. Number one, we have the first fruits. In fact, Scripture teaches us about the first fruits. What are the first fruits? Well, the first fruits would be the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 23. The Bible says it like this, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, and after that those who are Christ's at his coming. And so we have, number one, the resurrection of the first fruit. And if you go back to the Old Testament, in fact, they had a celebration of first fruits. And what that was, it was a picture of what's going to be in the New Testament. And what is the picture? Well, a farmer would go out and they would glean their fields, and when they would go out to their fields, the first sheath of wheat that would grow, they would take it and present it before the Lord God Almighty as a wave offering uh, uh, because this is representing the harvest that is to come. And then they would go and when they would take in the harvest, they would come back in and have another opportunity to worship God because of the harvest of all of the rest. And then they would go back and glean the fields. And after gleaning the fields, there would be those that they would come back in. And so it happened in three stages when they would celebrate Again, this harvest being reaped. And so, in the New Testament, what we see is we see, number one, the Lord Jesus Christ is the first fruit representing the rest that are going to come. And even at His resurrection, even at His coming into this world, we see uh, uh, saints who were resurrected. Matthew chapter number 27, over in Matthew's Gospel of 27, the Bible says it like this in verse number 52 and 53. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. And so we had a resurrection of saints that happened there. The first of the resurrections, we have the New Testament saints, 1 Thessalonians, uh, being resurrected. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, talking about that period of time at the rapture. Not only those of us who are alive will be raptured, but there will be resurrected saints 
coming up out of the graves. The Bible says in verse number 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so uh, we shall always be with the Lord. And so we have the resurrection of saints, not only there, but in our scripture today, we're talking about the resurrection of the saints who are martyred during the tribulation period. And so they would be those souls that were gleaned towards the end. And those are the ones that he's saying will be appointed to positions during this millennial kingdom. They will be serving. Now, our resurrected bodies will be glorified, built to Last, In fact, the Bible describes our bodies, our resurrected bodies. Some people say, man, you mean to, me, you mean to tell me that I'm going to be walking around the same old body? No, you're not going to be walking around in that body. You're going to get a new body. Uh, I don't know how all that works, but there's a transformation that happens at the resurrection. And there's a transformation, and we will be built to last forever. In fact, the Bible says it in 1 John chapter number 3 and in verse number 2. Blessed now, uh, we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet... What will be, we know that when, we, when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. I'm not sure if that got on the screen because I messed it up. But in Philippians, it also says it like this. Over in the book of Philippians, it says chapter number 3, verses number 20 and 21. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, uh, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. An incredible upgraded body. No more aches and pains, no more wiggles and jiggles, no more sighing when you get up. What a day that's going to be when we have glorified bodies transformed by the power of his resurrection. We will see him and be like him. Our place of responsibility. Listen, you say, well, who gets to decide where you serve? Jesus will appoint. Jesus will appoint. Jesus will assign. You say, well, where are you getting that from? A couple of different places in the New Testament. The Bible says in Matthew 25, if you read with me, Matthew chapter number 25 and verse number 21. Matthew 25 and verse <clears throat> number 21. And the Bible says it like this. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. One day, depending upon our service, Luke chapter number 19. Let's look at that one. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 17. Luke chapter 19, verse number 17. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over ten cities. And so God will be, will be appointing us to reign and to rule with him during this period of time. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but I don't know what city I'll be over. Maybe ten cities, maybe five. I don't know, but he does, and he'll make that appointment for us. Therefore, it does matter how you run the race today. You've been faithful over a few. It does matter. He goes on and he talks in verse number 7 about the eternal destination of Satan and also sinners. 
He says in verse number 7 and following, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from the prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. You know, when we're talking about Gog and Magog, if you're familiar and been reading through Scripture, you can read about Gog and Magog back in Ezekiel chapter number 38 and 39. Now, if you go back to Ezekiel 30, 38 and 39, I don't believe we're talking about the same exact thing. Uh, I believe that Gog and Magog are terms being used to describe uh, those nations and those people who set themselves against the Lord. They are enemies of uh, God. It doesn't change interpretation. I'm just simply saying I believe that is a term describing enemies of the Lord. To gather them together, uh, let me, I, I got to touch it. So, so it, says, it says because he's gathering them together from the four corners of the earth. And so when you're talking about Ezekiel's chapter number 37 and 38, when you look at Gog and Magog, they're not from the four corners of the earth, but they're from the north. And so I don't think that we're talking about the same group of people. I think we're talking about two different periods of time uh, uh, during the end of that tribulation period. Ezekiel 37, 38. This one here is at the end of the millennial kingdom. It goes on to say this, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain from the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. The final resting place of the devil. I don't know why he's going to be released, but it's interesting when you read what's taking place here. We're talking about a planet that is perfect in every way, and yet, and yet still, people reject Jesus Christ. Um, we have a devil that comes back, and he leads an army, and all of a sudden, fire falls from heaven and consumes them. Zap, just a moment. Bam, it's over. And the devil then is cast into the lake of fire, which is, in fact, his eternal resting place. We've already read the Antichrist and the false prophet are already there, and now <clears throat> the devil has been done away with. But he goes on in verse number 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And, 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 and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death in the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. It's interesting when you're reading through this passage of Scripture, blessed are those who experience the first resurrection. 
this gives us what we refer to as the second resurrection. Uh, death and Hades, Sheol and Hades gave up uh, the dead that were there. The dead, those that rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, those whose names have never been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, those who said, hey, I'm going to deal with it on my own. They disregarded the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have what's called or referred to in Scripture as the second <clears throat> resurrection over in John's Gospel. Uh, John chapter number 5 and verse number 28 and 29. John chapter 5 verses number 28 and 29. The Bible says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. And that's what's happening. And as they stand before God, listen. It says two times over, they will be judged according to their deeds. According to their deeds. And so this morning, if you've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's, that's my deeds. That's my deeds. I have messed up along the way. And it goes on to say in Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In other words, God is a just God. And if I have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and the price that he paid, that's what the story of the cross is all about. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and for my sin. He's what's called and referred to as the substitutionary atonement. Simply means this. He took my sin and he took your sin and he went to the cross and paid the price because the wages of sin is death. And he paid the price completely. And if we will, again, by faith, receive what he did in his great grace, then the wages have been paid. I will not stand before the great white throne of judgment. But those who rejected his payment on their behalf, those who've rejected the lordship of Jesus Christ, they stand and they will be judged according to their deeds. Therefore, as you stand before him, you stand condemned. And if he's a just God, which he is, you will pay in the lake of fire. Something that we need to understand this morning. Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says this. Listen, Matthew 25, verse number... <clears throat> Uh, 41, Matthew 25 and verse number 41, the Bible says this. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire. Hey, listen, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Can I tell you something? God created hell for the devil and for his angels. He didn't create hell for you nor did he ever create an individual to be condemned to hell. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all may have eternal life. For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son Jesus into this world not to condemn us, 
but to save us from our sins. So I need to ask you this question this morning. Ever been a time in your life when you've called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, to be born again? To be born again. You know, I've heard it said like this when we're talking about <clears throat> death and life and resurrection. Those who are born twice only die once. <laughs> In other words, <clears throat> you got to be born again if you want eternal life. You got to be born again. And it's not just about waiting until that day. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Are you experiencing the abundant life with a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if not, I'm encouraging you. Call on his name today. Call on his name while you may. And when you do, you experience the abundant life today. And we look forward to that millennial kingdom <laughs> one day. What a day that's going to be. Would you join me for a time of prayer this morning? Hey, this morning with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you again, have you been born again? There's coming a day, there's coming a day when you will stand before God Almighty. And if you've never been born again, to be born from above, you, you will stand before the great white throne of judgment. And on that day, it's going to be too late. On that day, it's just too late. He's simply judging according to your deeds. And we've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. Hey, but today the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so if you've never called on Him, I'm inviting you to call on Him today. Right where you are. I mean, you can pray even now. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have messed up. Oh, but God, I do believe that you came into this world. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sins, that he shed his blood. And I believe that he raised from the dead, that he's alive today. Oh, God, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to turn away from my sin to repent. And I want to live my life for you. Call on him while you may. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And after we sing the song, we'll be down front. And we're going to wait for you this morning. If you've never called on his name, you come this morning. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to run the race with you. So come this morning. Father, thank you for the day. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, God, that you are sovereign in control of all things and you have a plan. God, it's not just unraveling, Lord Jesus, but you are in control. And because of that, God, we take great comfort. And Lord Jesus, we do look forward to seeing you one of these days. But Father, this morning, I pray during these days of grace, your Holy Spirit would open eyes and move hearts, God, for those that have never called on your name, that even today would be the day of their salvation. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for these days of grace. Thank you for your goodness and for this moment, even now, to be able to respond to you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.